Uh, welcome to our second mini episode. In these episodes, we take a look back at some issues and topics that were covered in earlier episodes. In today's episode, we are taking a look at the Inside Higher Ed article, Changed, Changed Utterly. Uh, this episode is a great follow-up to episode three, which discussed the academic library as perceived by a non-librarian in the article, College Students Just Want Normal Libraries. So Jessica, what are your main takeaways from this article? So the first section that the author discusses was our print collections and how the pandemic has clearly shown that they are irrelevant. But I don't know, I took issue with that a little bit because how do we know they've become irrelevant and that people just knew they couldn't request them? Um, I think the messaging was pretty clear from the get-go that no physical items were able to be used. So of course there were gonna be no requests for them to gauge interest. Um, I also just happened to see a tweet about um, Harvard having over 10,000 books returned or something crazy like that um, as they started to open and allow books to be returned. So clearly their print collections aren't dying, right? Um, I agree with the idea of making our print collections more accessible, but I'm not sure we're at the point to just say, well, no one's using them. So let's, let's take them out. Um, not to mention that there are issues around digital rights and subscription costs with publishers and vendors, which are still not at a good place for digital items. And print can be a lot cheaper because there are one-time costs rather than subscriptions or paying for licenses, which kind of flows into the next idea that the author had of mass digitization and e-everything. Um, but before we jump into doing that, I'd like to get some input from students and faculty on what works and doesn't work for them with digital access to ensure that we're really considering the needs of the people that we serve before making any major changes to access and removing our entire print collection. Um, and I do agree that we may start relying more on consortium power and shared resources, but collections is definitely not my specialty area. That's just my opinion as an instruction librarian who has managed kind of minor collections um, in the past. Yeah, I'll just jump in here since I, I thought this was one of my takeaways too, is that, you know, I agree about the print collection, but I can't see a world in which libraries don't have print. I think we need to rethink how to boost our collection circulation um, and package it and, and market it in a different way. Um, but I don't see it disappearing. I mean, in my experience, like I don't have a huge experience with collect, you know, print collection, but in my experience, our budget for print has obviously been diminishing over the years, but it's never zero. So I think, you know, I agree that yes, our print collection wasn't used, but that was because of the circumstances. Mm -hmm. Right, exactly. And I think it may depend on the community. Um, some libraries and some academic libraries have very high circulation of their print. So it's really going to have to be a, a community by community thing. Um, the other thing was spaces. And one thing that concerned me was the author's reference multiple times to a post-COVID world. And I'm not sure if they were just kind of taking that from the fact that other media uses that term, but I'm sorry, call me a, a naive optimist, but I refuse to accept that these changes are very, very long-term. I accept that we may have to limit group study and that um, and, and limit public technology access for a while, but to say that this is it and that we should get used to it is not a goal for me. I know the science is evolving and the virus isn't magically disappearing anytime soon, but I'm still gonna go into this as an optimist. So I'm kind of picking on the language there. 
Um, there was also a really good thread on Twitter recently about how instructors should stop making assignments that require students to print something out and fill it in. And I definitely agree with that. You know, we need to stop assuming what technology our students have and assume that they'll have access to printers or library printers. But to say that we won't have public technology in the future seems far-fetched and just not reality. Um, even as we start to move towards a more equitable world, it's not going to happen overnight. And there's going to be students who won't have the same access to technology and internet that everyone else has. Um, the digital divide is real. It's not going to be solved overnight. Um, and I know libraries shouldn't be acting as the band-aid, right? That's the other side of that conversation. But um, there has to be some balance there as we move forward. So that's the impression that I got from the blurb on spaces. And I just kind of didn't agree with them, a few of those aspects. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Um, and I think my institution agrees as well. We are getting ready for the fall. And we just found out that we will have social distanced computer banks um, still in our library. And our students are still going to need access to printers. So. Um, in an ideal world, we wouldn't, but the reality is, is that you still need to provide these services to students who need them. Right. So the last part is the doing more with less and librarian advocacy part. Um, I think this is definitely going to be true for a while, which is why these conversations are important, you know, uh, which is why we need to talk about it. What do we want to keep as we as part of this new normal going forward? Um, is this an opportunity to fight for changes that we've wanted for a while? And this situation has, has given us more evidence to fight for that, whether that's working from home, more equity of access for all, better digital subscription models, whatever it is. Um, it is a good time to be thinking about, talking about, and making those things happen. And maybe pushing back on some of the things we mentioned before that we don't want to keep going forward. Um, it's definitely a time of shift, and we do want to keep having these conversations and advocate for what we want for libraries in the future. Yeah, yeah, this definitely hit home for me. You know, at my institution, we lost a lot of our staff and we're currently going through a major reorg. Um, I don't even know what our structure is going to look like. Right now, we're just in flux and it's, it's very scary. And, you know, it is going to be very much a model of doing more with less. And I even saw a few conversations on Twitter that I sort of agree with that, you can't keep shoving this, this, this phrase, do more with less at people and still expect the same level of services. You have to adjust um, you know, the services to, to meet the needs, the, the reality of, of doing more with less because you, know, you can only cover your library oh so many hours if you only have five people still you know, staffing your library. You know? So I'm just afraid that this do more with less um, phrase is going to be overused and really start to stress our profession out in terms of um, expectations that are probably not realistic. Right, exactly. Yeah. So a few of the other things that I thought were interesting that were some of my takeaways was the copyright education. Um, I really have to push back on this one and say that I disagree. Um, you know, we are not the copyright police. I think when faculty collaborate with us about using materials, we can certainly explain what's available to them legally, but I don't think it's our job to provide more education and, and, and especially not our job to advocate to authors for licensing options. I just don't think that's within our parameters. I mean, unless that's your, that's your official title, but um, it's not something that I've ever done. 
Yeah, I thought that was I, the way that the article phrased it seemed like this should be something that all libraries do, um, that we, you know, we tell the faculty when something isn't right and we educate and we do all this advocacy. And I think that's a cool opportunity for somebody to create relationships or fill that need if someone really wants to take that role. But like to expect that all librarians do that, we just like, I can't sit here and become a law librarian. <laughs> that's just not going to happen. Um, so yeah, I think it might be a cool opportunity if you want to, but to just expect that I think is a little much. I, um, I also wanted to talk about the self-service model. I think we will probably see more ticketing or appointment-only reference, which is not always ideal, but, you know, it might be the new normal. You know, in previous episodes, we've talked about, you know, the reality of students facing, you know, feeling library anxiety, and I think it's probably even scarier for them to, to set up an appointment rather than walk through the door and ask for help. Um, so I'm on the fence about it. I really, I'm not sure how I feel about this idea of a librarian, a professional librarian, never staffing a desk again and just having appointments only. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's the model we're going to for the fall. So I'm going to see how this goes. They're setting up some type of, well, there's two options. It's either we do Zoom calls that are appointments or there's going to be potentially a kiosk set up that has like a PC to PC kind of thing. So we're social distance and it happens that way. Um, but it is not going to be a reference desk. So I'm interested to see how that's going to work. Yeah. Yeah. And then the last thing I wanted to mention is the embedded librarianship. Um, you know, it really shocked me how many libraries uh, were not already doing this, you know, in, embedded support. To me, this was a given. You know, my college was already doing this, but now I realized how many are just getting started because of the pandemic. Um, I was in a, a workshop a few weeks ago and one of the librarians said, yeah, we have never supported online before and now we're doing online. And they, th their concerns were so interesting to me. They, their concern was that they would create an online tutorial for faculty and then faculty would never want to work with them again because they have the tutorial mm. so they almost saw it not as embedded they almost saw it like a one and done thing and then faculty will never come back to them and not see the value of having a librarian like facilitate a discussion or do a, a synchronous zoom or whatever so you know to me i was like like i said i'm we've been doing this for a while so i'm really like really shocked to see how underprepared people were to offer this type of support. Yeah, that is really interesting. And I definitely agreed that this is super important. Um, I'm glad that the article mentioned it. And I do think it should be something that we continue past the pandemic. Um, it is super valuable for everybody involved. Absolutely. That wraps up our second mini episode. Um, if you have ideas um, and thoughts that you want to share on this article, please feel free to contact us. Um, here's where you can find us. You can find us, the podcast, at librarian underscore guide. You can find Jessica at librarygeek611. You can find me, Amanda, at historybuff820. Uh, you can also email us at infolitteachingpodcast at gmail.com. Be sure to rate and subscribe wherever you listen to the podcast.